Welcome to Feeding the Flock, Season 9. And our expositions through the book of 2 Corinthians. We're currently at chapter 11 and verse 16. Hello, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. As you noticed, we switched to uh, season nine uh, for this particular episode. And uh, seven and eight were the first part of this book. And season nine covers the last part, of course. And that's where we are. So why don't we begin reading in verse 16 of chapter 11 of the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. Paul writes this. Again, I say... Let no one think me foolish, but if you do, receive me even as foolish, so that I also may boast a little. What I am saying, I am not saying as the Lord would, but as in foolishness, in this confidence of boasting. Since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. For you, being so wise, tolerate the foolish gladly. For you tolerate it if anyone enslaves you, anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, anyone exalts himself, anyone hits you in the face. To my shame, I must say that we have been weak by comparison. So this begins the second half of chapter 11. The uh, first half, uh, verses 1 through 15, talks about Paul's answer as an apostle concerning his conduct. And now the second half talks about his conflicts. Now, earlier in chapter 10, Paul the apostle talked about his character, the character of his ministry. And so now we're talking about the conflicts in the last half of chapter 11. Now the first half of chapter 12 will talk about Paul's establishing his own credentials as an apostle. But we'll get to that later in later episodes. Right now, let's look at this. Verse 16 uh, begins the uh, a couple of sentences that talk about his conflicts, uh, conflicts in terms of his present foolishness. And then uh, we, we ended our reading right in the middle of verse 21. And that means uh, the present foolishness goes the, all the way to verse 21, part A, you might call it. And then in 21, uh, part B begins what uh, uh, our outline has uh, been entitled uh, Past Dangers. And then later, verses 28 through 33 talk about the daily pressures. So that's where we are. And let's, uh, let's again look at this. Again, I say, let no one think me foolish. Now, Paul is um, actually making an argument. As, as we've uh, explained before, this is a, a large passage that began in chapter 10, and it won't be done until he gets through verse 18 of chapter 12. It all has a certain build 
to it. It has a certain uh, a sequence of, of arguments that Paul is giving in order to establish himself as an apostle again in, uh, in the eyes of the Corinthian believers because evidently there have been these counterfeit apostles, these false apostles that have come in. They've claimed some sort of authority. They've claimed some sort of superiority to Paul. And um, they are trying to dissuade some in the Corinthian church to follow them as their new found authority and take credit for it. We don't know exactly how they're doing it or exactly what their motives are, but they, it seems to be uh, that these people enjoy money, they enjoy prestige, they enjoy uh, um uh, their their own uh, power. They they enjoy bossing other people around. They enjoy the intention of uh, of this new role of being an apostle over a church or maybe se- even several churches. So Paul is in the middle of this argument, and y- you want to take it in its context or in its flow. And I'll encourage you to go back and read verses twelve through fifteen, as well as continuing on on reading through the end of the chapter uh, in your own convenience, of course. But but as you read through this entire passage, you will get the flow of Paul's thought more than even just studying this particular paragraph. And I always encourage you to do that because that is our hedge against pulling things out of their context and making things say things that really aren't being said, uh, but we get the wrong impression by just uh, uh, pulling a, a phrase or a sentence here and there and we say, does Paul really mean that? Well, especially in this paragraph and in this chapter, we need to get the flow of where Paul has been in uh, what he's presented as well as where he's going and what he's about to present in order to get the the real feel of uh, what he's saying here in these particular sentences. Again, I say, let no one think me foolish. You see, he started the chapter in verse 1 by saying, I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. Paul knows that their strength is this, this strength of toleration. They're willing to put up with just about anything, and they are, and we're going to get to that in a moment. So Paul says, uh, I don't want anybody to think me foolish, but look at this. He says, He says, but even if you do receive me even as foolish, so let me at least start out on that level, at least hear me out, even if you think I'm dumb, or if you think I'm stupid, or you think this this whole thing in this part of the letter is foolishness, okay, take it that way, but at least hear me out. Read, Read the rest of the paragraph, read the rest of the letter, so that you know what it is I'm saying. And so that's what Paul is saying. You do bear with me. You you seem to have this idea that you want to tolerate anybody. And so I say, all right, then tolerate me in this little bit of exercise I'm going through here. And uh, let me explain uh, this whole thing from my perspective. Now, Paul here uses a tongue-in-cheek approach. This is what you might call the highest form of sarcasm. 
Judaism that you might find in the entire scriptures. But uh, Paul is using it to get their attention, to shake them up a little, to get them to see their blind spot. They have a blind spot and it's huge. And Paul says, you need to see this, what it is you're doing. And so he said earlier in chapter 11, verse 4, he says, if if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit uh, which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. So they seem to just absorb anything and everything, and anybody that that claims to be something, they don't question it. And that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. And Paul understands that. He's trying to convince them that this is a this might be your strength of how broad your acceptance is but this is your weakness when you lack discernment and you find yourself being being enthralled with the wrong people and the wrong kinds of doctrine and the wrong things that make Christianity no longer Christianity. You've, you've been sucked in by the deceptiveness of these people. Now, in some ways, Paul is learning how to, or is teaching us perhaps, how, as an example of how to answer a fool as his folly deserves that he is not wise in his own eyes. That's Proverbs excuse me, chapter 26 and verse 5. So that Paul is answering these foolish people with an answer of foolishness, hoping to expose the true foolishness. This this is not going to back up on Paul. This is going to expose and bring the light to this deception. And that's what he wants wants to to uh, explain here, so that I all I also may boast a little. So he's about to boast, but if you read through verses twenty one b all the way through to the end of the chapter, you'll find out what it is he's boasting about, and what he's boasting about is is the non uh, non fun part of ministry the abuse part of ministry the weakness part of ministry the things that might be uh, uh, persecution or or other uh, situations and circumstances that are totally out of your control, but you still have to endure them for whatever reason in order to accomplish the mission God's called you to do. And so Paul brags about this so-called bragging uh, about these things that he lists off later in the chapter. Uh, and that's that's his form of boasting. And you'll find out these are the kind of things that most people don't want to brag about. But these these opponents of Paul, they're the ones that started this process. And so Paul says, here it is, here I am. And this what it what it sounds like when I start boasting about my ministry, because it has nothing to do with the same kind of measurements that these people are using in their boasting. It's completely opposite, in fact. And that's what he's getting at. I'm going to boast a little, and you're going to have to put up with my boasting, because this is to- totally un 
unnecessary, but I'm going to do it anyway. And he's, and in fact, he says, but, and what I am saying, I'm, I'm not saying as the Lord would, but as in foolishness in this confidence of boasting. Now, Paul isn't necessarily disclaiming the fact that these are inspired words by the Holy Spirit. Personally, I believe they are. They are just as inspired as the rest of the letter. They are Holy Spirit guided words, but and they have authority in the sense that the Spirit of God has prompted Paul to use this language to get this point across, and it's the kind of language and the kind of approach that Jesus never used, and that's okay. You see, sometimes the, the finding Jesus is our example, he's the best example. But there are other things and other situations that uh, Jesus never encountered. And so we don't know exactly how Jesus would, would respond to particular uh, events or particular people or particular things. We know general principles because we can look at him and, and find his example. And yes, he's, he's full enough uh, that is, he he is big enough. That's what I'm trying to say. And his ministry and his character is big enough to follow as our example. But there are some things that uh, are left to the inspiration of the Spirit and in, in the authors and the and the details that they add in their letters that are just as much Holy Spirit inspired, even though they're not the things that necessarily Jesus ever did. And that's what Paul is getting at here. And he says, since we, since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. This isn't what Jesus would do, but this is something the Spirit of God is leading Paul to do, is to make these boasts, not in the sense of, of bragging about himself, but exposing these wrong leaders with these wrong motives and these wrong tactics. Well, we're going to take a short little musical break right here. And we'll see you on the other side. Verse 18 is where we are in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. It says, since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. And he's not giving himself away quite yet. He's just giving the uh, criterion by which he's entered into this realm of, of boasting. And he's, he's basically uh, almost kind of making fun of himself as he does so. Uh, because Paul's normal character, remember what Paul looks like in his normal frame of reference or his normal demeanor? He says, uh, like in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, he says, May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been 
crucified to me and I to the world. In uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, he says, For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. And if you follow that whole passage in in Philippians chapter 3, a little bit further down in the rest of those verses, you'll discover that Paul is basically making the same argument there, but he's going at it from a totally different tone of voice, you might say, a totally different approach, but he's basically covering the same things that he's talking about here. And he says, if anyone wants to brag, I can brag right along with the best of them. Well, that's what he gets at in verse in uh, uh, Philippians chapter 3. If you, you go back and read that uh, sometime and you'll get some of the same ideas. And Paul concludes there uh, at the end of his list of things that he might have confidence in. He says, but I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So he he lists all these things out and then he says, they're all loss. They're ready to be thrown out into the trash. They don't mean that much in the grand scheme of things. And that's what he says in Philippians chapter three. And right here, he's saying sort of the same thing. But give him time to make his point. Uh, He's about to make it, but uh, he's in the beginning stages of of opening up the turf, so to speak, of plowing through the ground. And it takes a little bit of time to do that. He says, all right, you want to boast? I'll give you something to boast. And he says, this is what it looks like when I do the boasting. Verse 19 says, for you being so wise, did you catch that? Paul has has his tongue in his cheek when he says that he's he's not necessarily complimenting the Corinthian believers. Now, the whole congregation probably uh, have not been sucked in yet, but but some parts of them have have uh, done so and they they are influencing the others. Maybe it's just a handful. I don't know. But uh, it's enough of a handful that uh, this could could definitely turn this church in the wrong direction if it's allowed to continue. So Paul says, uh, uh, for you being so wise. In other words, that's part of the arrogance that the Corinthian believers started to have. They were following these interlopers, these counterfeit people, these false apostles, and these false apostles were taking advantage of them. And they didn't even know it. They don't even realize how susceptible they are to these these, uh, corrupted ministers who have no heart for the people of God. They only have a heart for building their own personal empire. And you might want to call it local politics, uh, even though it's not involved in Roman politics or city politics or or anything like that. This is like church politics. And I know that there are some in my listening audience that know what I'm talking about. People who love to control other people, people who love to be the center of attention, people who love to get in a position of being acknowledged uh, and and uh, 
and adored and followed, and they love that. And uh, they sneak in sometimes, and they, or they come in in a flurry and a flush, and and they they come in and kind of take over. And uh, and yet, and yet, Paul says, uh, "All right." Uh, you being so wise, tolerate the foolish gladly. You, you seem to have this ability to just just tolerate anything. And uh, he he said that earlier in chapter eleven, verse four. You bear this beautifully, and yet these people represent everything that's against Christ. They may even use Jesus' words. They may use God words. They may use Bible words. They may use Bible verses but they do not represent the the authentic teachings of Christ and the real person of Jesus of Nazareth and the real resurrected Lord. They don't represent him at all. They just come in and they take over and they are absorbing your minds and they're robbing your souls of the joy of the Lord. Because now they've made themselves to be the center of your life rather than Christ and his gospel. He says, for you being so wise, tolerate the foolish gladly. So there is wisdom in in having a certain level of of tolerating people that are different than than, uh, you and I. Yes, that's that's to be uh, fostered. The fact that uh, we, we do not judge other people or that we do not force people to to fit into our mold. But then there's another whole other extreme that you tolerate the things that are enemies of Christ. So the the uh, uh, the character quality of of tolerance isn't an all-encompassing thing. It has its limits. That's what Paul is getting at here. You can't lift up tolerance and make tolerance your new idol or your new God, because there are certain exceptions. And there are certain limits, there are certain parameters of things you should never tolerate. And people you should never tolerate. And this is one of them, or these are some of them right here, of the people you should never tolerate. And look, he opens up the door, and he begins to describe not only uh, them and their motives, he describes some of their tactics, some of their strategies, some of their things that evidently they're getting by with. Because the Corinthians, uh, somehow, they're just not paying attention. And Paul is verbally, in this letter, he's not doing it physically, he's verbally trying to shake them and say, look at what's happening to you because of these people. He, he did it to the Galatians. He said, he said, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. This is Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And he says, therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Don't go back to those things. Don't be absorbed in a bondage that these people bring with them. It's a bondage. They look free, but they're not free. It's a bondage because you are enslaved by them now. You are following them. These are what we would call today, we'd call them cultic leaders. 
He says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. They want to suck up as much money as they can get, as much, as much attention as they can get, as much following as they can get. And they, they love the power and the prestige. And look at what they do. You tolerate foolish gladly, for you tolerate it. Look at this list. Paul lists them out, these strategies, these tactics, and they put up with this. For you tolerate it if anyone enslaves you. They, they, they will follow these people just because they say so. Oh, so-and-so says this, so I'll follow them. And they just go. And Paul says, it's bondage. They're enslaving you with their words. They're enslaving you with their personality and their, their charm and their flattery. It's still slavery to them. It says, anyone devours you. They're sucking you up. That's what he's getting at. They're sucking up your money. They're sucking up your houses. They're sucking up you. They're sucking up your souls. And your minds, they're absorbing you. In fact, uh, Jesus said to the hypocrites and the Pharisees, he says, because you devour widows' houses, they found religious ways to suck up the properties and the estates of widows. How can you do that? And yet the Pharisees had a practice of doing it, and Jesus exposed them. And evidently those practices are still being done in the churches years later. Romans, uh, Paul talks about in chapter 16, verse 18, he talks about the, the appetites of these, these people. By their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive hearts of the unsuspecting. And so uh, Paul says they take advantage of you. If anyone takes advantage of you, they, they find every opportunity to, to flatter you and make sure you feel good about yourself when all it is is they're trying to win your loyalty to them rather than your loyalty to Christ and Christ's designated true authorities. Says so if anyone exalts himself, they love being the elite group. They love being in charge. They love being respected by others or adored by others. They love that attention. He says, if anyone hits you in the face, evidently these people practice some sort of disciplinary action that included physical abuse. And the Corinthians were putting up with that. Paul says, you put up with somebody coming along and slapping you? And they say they're claiming to love you in Christ, but they slap you? Paul says, to my shame. He says in verse 21a, to my shame I must say that we have been weak by comparison. You see, Paul says, uh, Paul says we, we've not done anything like that. We've not dominated you. We've not come over and, and become an authoritarian over you. We've not bossed you around. We've not nitpicked you. We've not come in with a heavy hand and gave commands and orders. 
We didn't operate that way. So Paul says, boy, I am weak by comparison. I wouldn't think of slapping any of you. I'd get your attention somehow, but it wouldn't involve physical abuse. Paul says, you need to be free from these people. You need to have your eyes open and to see that these people are not loving you at all. You've surrendered way too much unto unto, uh, their control. You see, the example of the Bereans might be something to keep in mind here. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says, Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. you got to go back to the real authority, not to a flamboyant personality or an authoritarian leader who wants to just boss you around and get the most out of you. You need to come back to the Word of God, the truth of God, the love of God, the center of Christ Himself needs to be in your life. Father, thank you for these words of encouragement, these words of enlightenment, because there may be some among us who have found themselves trapped by following the wrong leaders. We thought perhaps they were good because they sounded right, but they abused us. Dear Father, give some of us the courage to leave that environment and surrender ourselves to the truth of God's words once again and the godly leadership that you've established for us to follow. And may we surrender ourselves to you for your power and grace and mercy. Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.